I don't need help. I'm not in an abusive relationship. This is just how it is for us. It's a lie we tell ourselves, one that many in abusive relationships repeat until they believe it. But there's hope. Welcome to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship, a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence. This show is about hope. You will hear from survivors of abuse, and their stories may sound familiar. They may even inspire hope. Our goal is to connect with others in these toxic relationships to offer that hope, and with supporters of our mission, anyone willing to help get rid of abuse in our culture. We also talk with the experts in the field, from the officers on the front lines of domestic abuse calls to the therapists and advocates helping survivors navigate this complicated road of recovery. If you're in need of help, please visit our website or call our 24-7 hotline, 800-828-2023. And if this is an emergency and you need help immediately, please call 911. Welcome to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship with your host, Claudia Pauls. Welcome to the show. I'm Dan. I'm guest hosting today for Claudia. And if you're listening for a while, you can hear that our voices are a little bit uh, professional again. We're back in the studio today. I am guest hosting and I have joining me Elizabeth Alderson, uh, resident therapist and amazing person. And then Miss Deborah Hackworth, also amazing person and uh, our interim executive director at DASIS. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Glad to be back in the studio (laughs) yes thank you so today we want to tackle uh what serving marginalized communities looks like for domestic and sexual abuse services for DASIS so let's first start with defining what a marginalized community really means okay so when I looked up the definite definition of what marginalized is it's anyone who does not fit inside the social norms of this country and so as we know the social norms were set up by um, white male Christians when this country was founded so if you go by that definition there are more people who don't fit inside those norms than do Um, However, there's certain groups that we now see as marginalized. Um, People with disabilities are seen as marginalized. People of color, um, girls and women are marginalized. Um, Transgender people, the LGBTQ plus community. Um, Um... non-native English-speaking people or um, immigrants, they're seen as marginalized, and um, also people who are homeless. Now, there are people who are marginalized by the by birth because of their differently abled or the color of their skin or their ethnic background and then there are people who are marginalized by choice there are people who choose not to participate in what we see as mainstream but for the purpose of this conversation we're going to talk about people who are marginalized because they don't have any other choice Mm -hmm. now a lot of the people that we serve especially in our shelter even if they come from what would be the majority ethnic group or um, social class in this country, they then become marginalized when they come to our shelter because they're now homeless. 
they are they no longer have access to what would be deemed normal mm -hmm. in society and so they lose their voice and so they are marginalized um, and so that comes with a different set of issues that we have to deal with not only are they um, homeless but they're also abused and that comes with its own set of issues mm -hmm. and um, and what are some of those challenges that we see marginalized communities facing that maybe, you know, it, for those listening, maybe I sound like this, but I'm just going to define myself. I'm a, a straight white American Christian guy. Mm -hmm. I don't face these same things. So mm -hmm. what challenges do these communities really face? Well, lack of access. You know, um, if you don't, um, belong to what many will refer to as the dominant um, race, then um, you don't even have access or sometimes even knowledge to what's available to you, especially when it comes to um, if you're being, if you've been a victim of abuse mm -hmm. you don't know that there's services and different things available to you and so lack of access is a huge one um, discrimination facing discrimination not only are you being discriminated against because English may not be your first language or because of the color of your skin or because of your lack of educational opportunities mm -hmm. You're now being discriminated against because you're a victim or a survivor mm -hmm. of abuse, which comes with its own um, myths and stereotypes and things like that. More and more, I've in researching serving um, marginalized groups, we know that domestic violence happens at the same rate against amongst all races. But lately, in doing different readings of different studies, the view is so skewed and mm -hmm. slanted that this is a people of color issue, mm -hmm. that this is a people with disabilities issue. Mm -hmm. So that means this issue belongs to them over there. And so if we can turn a blind eye to that, we don't have to deal with it. We don't have to make access available to them for this and so um, we're here to shine a light mm -hmm. on the marginalized communities that we serve and say that we are here just because you don't love the same way that I do doesn't mean that you're not worthy of help mm -hmm. just because you don't look the way I do just because you haven't had the educational opportunities that have been afforded to others mm -hmm. does not mean that you are not um, worthy of services and help when you've been um, abused, mm -hmm. abused in any way. Mm -hmm. Liz, what does access mean from your side of it? What does that look like on a day-to-day, -day, you know, a daily story that someone doesn't have access? I mean, it's 2020 mm -hmm. in America. Mm -hmm. Anybody can walk into a doctor's office or a therapist's office, right? Or is that not what that means? Yeah, I mean, technically, we think 
that everyone has access. But DASIS has been around for over 30 years in the exact same counties. Our administrative office has resided in St. Joseph County, Michigan the entire time. So you would think that everyone in St. Joe County knows DASIS exists, right? They don't. Mm. I meet people on a day-to-day basis that are like, yeah, I never knew you guys existed as an agency. And it's like, you've lived here your whole life? Yeah. Okay. Like you're over 30? Yeah. The agency's been there, you know? And so to know that, like, you know, services that we provide are different over the years. Yes, we've evolved and grown and and offered new services, but, like, the agency has been there. We've had billboards before. We're on the radio regularly. We do events. We do yearly, you know, walk-a-miles that we put up posters anywhere a business would let us put up a poster. You know, we infiltrate church groups to do the walk-a-mile thing and donations and all those kind of things. We have over 500 followers on our Facebook page. We do a podcast now. And our home county, just one of the counties we serve, there are thousands of residents that don't know we exist. And so it's that access to it all the time. I meet new clients in different areas that we work and they're like, I never knew you existed until your services were forced upon me, you know, through the court systems or from DHHS or probation or something like that, where people are referred and kind of like told, like, you need to get this service, you know, to complete whatever thing else they're doing outside of DASIS. You didn't know you guys existed. And I've, you know, and then the follow up to that story is... I've been in abusive relationships my entire life. I wish I would have known you existed when I was a teenager. And it's like, that's heartbreaking to me because you, you've then lived your whole life in this county where services were available, but you had no idea they were because domestic violence and sexual abuse and assault are not talked about subjects. And that's why we do this podcast. That's why we do our healthy relationships. That's why we put up flyers everywhere that we possibly can think of and go to all these community th- access meetings because we know that not everybody knows that we exist. That's why DASIS, the way that we've operated services, was to go to where the community members are. It's why we just don't have one office and then make everyone come to us because we serve rural areas where there isn't a reliable transportation system. And so that's a barrier, you know, of of access to it. And that's for any service in our rural areas, you know, and that's pre-pandemic issues, you know, that have existed. And so it's that if you don't know it, you're not going to seek it. You're going to stay in that unhealthy relationship because you don't know any different and no one's saying, hey, there's this place to go. So when we go to random things, we're like, everyone take our business cards because if you ever meet someone who's in an unhealthy relationship, slip it to them in some way, shape or form, because, you know, we can't be the only voice for our agency. We need those allies to come alongside and just say, hey, there's this resource out there Mm -hmm. that can help during it. But that access is so limited. And then I've had the privilege to you know transport clients to different appointments in the community for access to other resources Mm -hmm. and i don't know why you'd want to come to DASIS and get services when you go to a place and they're like well where do you live you know when you're doing the check-in and they're like oh i'm at the shelter right now because the look on that person's face who's taking your information completely changes Mm -hmm. their f their face is just like oh and sometimes they'll say oh you're at the shelter and i want to get up and be like yeah they're at the shelter you got a problem with that right 
but you know i'm just the driver so it's not my place <laughs> and i like my job so i'm gonna keep it you know <laughs> well it's, and it's also who controls the flow of information mm-hmm. okay. because if i'm a service provider and someone comes to me for help i choose then what help i think you're worthy of or what help I think you need. Mm-hmm. And so instead of laying out the information that this is all the, these are all the services that are available to you, I'm going to tell you what I believe you need. Mm-hmm. And what I believe that you need is based upon my experiences and my judgment of you and not necessarily your mm-hmm. story. Mm-hmm. And so again, that's what keeps people in this cycle of poverty and being marginalized living on the margins and if you ever think about it okay so we have a piece of paper when I hear margins I think paper because I'm a paper person (laughs) and so uh, and so when we talk about margins we're not talking about the whole paper Mm -mm. we're talking about just the outskirts Mm -hmm. you know when um the fringes of it and so do we are we really paying attention to what's on the fringe or are we paying attention what to what's on the main page right mm. that's good and so that's what we're doing with domestic violence and um sexual assault and being advocates and spokespersons for victims is we're okay we're no longer going to hang out uh, on the fringes and and where we're not being paid attention to because there are so many people on the main page Mm. not only those on in the margins but those on the main page who are experiencing the same and if we see each other as having shared experiences in the same experience then more and more we'll be accepting and inclusive and not keep people in the margins and so part of um what people what social work is is working towards social change Mm -hmm. and so if i treat my marginalized clients as marginalized then they'll remain there Mm. but if i treat them like i treat everyone else i'm going to treat that woman who's um, been chronically homeless and um maybe can't read well i'm going to treat her just like i'm going to treat that woman who's the head of um a local business who's having the same thing and even i had to get past my own biases when working with clients clients that um are easy to work with you want to help you want to give them everything Mm -hmm. that they're appreciative Mm -hmm. they know the hidden rules of society Mm -hmm. if you ever um read any of ruby Payne, Mm -hmm. who does um bridges who created bridges out of poverty Mm -hmm. she talks about hidden rules of society Mm -hmm. and that people in poverty don't even know the hidden rules the social norms Mm -hmm. that leave them out of being able to access the mainstream and so it was in working in shelter it was easier to deal with those people who knew the hidden rules of society and that um made my job easier and so one day i was sitting in office and um actually there was only one person in shelter and she was a person of color and i'm a person of color so that wasn't uh, anything that was um 
you know, oh, I have to get past that barrier. That wasn't an issue. But she also um, had been chronically homeless and she had mental illness. Mm. And so she would be an underserved person, Mm -hmm. a marginalized person. And so it wasn't easy to provide her with services. And Mm -hmm. so I found myself being frustrated with her because she wasn't easy. Yeah, wasn't fitting into your norm. Wasn't fitting into my little box of norm. Mm And so um, I was sitting in office one day, frustrated. (laughs) She was the only one in the house. I was like, this should be easy. (laughs) (laughs) And then I realized the problem isn't her. The problem is you, Debbie. And so I had to start working on myself. And I made a pledge to myself, a vow to myself, that I was going to treat every person who walked through that door as if they were my favorite, as if they were the easiest person to deal with. And so no one could say, well, of course she did this for this person because they're her fit. No, I'm, I need to treat everyone and, and not just fake it. I needed to take that to heart because everyone who is sitting in front of me has a right to live a life free of violence and have access to every resource that I know of. And so that's how I um, began to, and it was before I was in any position of leadership. It was, no, this is how advocacy services should be. And that's what I was taught, but putting it into practice Mm -hmm. (laughs) is completely Mm -hmm. different. And and, And so now that I'm in leadership, I encourage, I insist, no, no one have to no one has to ask you the right questions to get the right answers. You give them everything that you have mm-hmm. and you let them choose then what's mm-hmm. best for them. That's how we get people out of the margins mm-hmm. and stop treating them as if they don't matter because they don't fit into what's the norm. Mm-hmm. I love that no one has to ask the right questions to mm-hmm. get the right answers. Mm-hmm. We need to provide them with the right answers, regardless of how they come to us. Isn't it? You know, and I remember hearing this in other conversations of our of our podcasts, other episodes. So often, that difficult person that acting out is more is likely because of trauma. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. A, what's a, their story? Yeah. What's mm-hmm. their story? It's so important to remember that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Even you know, and so and what makes it easier for me to do this in my work is adapting that philosophy in my life. Mm -hmm. And so when I see someone acting out, Mm -hmm. when I see someone struggling, the first question that pops in my mind is what's their story? Mm -hmm. Because I know the dynamics of domestic violence and Mm -hmm. sexual assault. And I, and we've studied and we've worked with women and men who have this in their background, there's certain things that as a professional in this um, line of work, I can pick up on. Mm -hmm. And so I'm able to have empathy Mm -hmm. and compassion for someone because they have a story. Mm -hmm. And we all have a story. Your story may not be my story, but you have a story. Mm -hmm. And knowing that and honoring the fact that you have a story and that's affecting the way that you are presenting to mm-hmm. me lets me treat you not as some poor person needing help, but as an equal mm-hmm. who needs help. Yeah. 
because I have my own story. I have my own junk. I have my own baggage. Mm -hmm. And being aware of that lets me know that, you know, helps me to be able to walk alongside you as you're healing from your story. I think that's, it's a journey to get on. I know I absolutely love the difficult clients. I love all of that when they come in. I'm ready to jump on that because I see that. I don't see the person you are today. I look at you and I see before I even know you that there's that baggage of trauma that you've brought in. And when we have a difficult client and we're talking about them, I instantly go to what was life like before they were five? What was life like before they were 10 and 15? Because to me, you've, you've got some junk in the closet and that's what's brought you today. When, when they come from different agencies and they've been trouble there and trouble here, and you know, they've got this reputation. You think of those kids that go through school systems with, you know, files larger than they are tall in kindergarten because they're that troubled kid. Well, they turn into a troubled adult because we haven't seen that story of them. And so I'm always itching when somebody's like, oh, you're going to like working with this one. I'm like, you're right. I am because I'm going to enjoy this. And it, it's I, it's so heartwarming to know that our that this agency, mm-hmm. I say our, I'm on the board of directors, our agency takes care of everyone. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you're Christian, if you're Muslim, if you're atheist, if you're straight, if you're trans, if you're, it, it doesn't matter. Mm-mm. We have these services if you're facing any kind of mm-hmm. sexual abuse, if you're facing any kind of violence from a, an intimate partner, from a family member, from anyone, you can come and get these services. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of services, so let's talk about that for a minute then. If you're in what would be considered a marginalized community and, you, and you're all of a sudden, oh, this exists. People care about me, even if I don't feel like society does. This, what kind of services do we offer then to help someone who is facing any of these things? Well, one thing that I'm very proud that DASIS does is partner with other groups that may be able to address their specific issues. We um, have um, a Spanish-speaking um, advocate because there's a large portion of our community that we serve that English is not their first language. And in fact, the advocate that we have right now, she speaks English, Portuguese, and Spanish. And so um, that's one thing, providing services that are specific to marginalized groups. We have a large um, Amish community Mm -hmm. um, where we are. And so we have a volunteer who's formerly Amish who can then um, speak to that experience. We have um, African-American advocates who can speak to that experience. We have advocates who are knowledgeable about substance abuse and therapists who are knowledgeable about these things also. They can speak to those Um, experiences. We don't have a cookie cutter system that's one size fits all. Mm -hmm. Our services are tailored to what it is that you need. I like to um, say we're like a buffet. We have tons of different things and I mean a good buffet not the you know, <laughs> we're like a buffet on a cruise ship <laughs> you know yeah, first class <laughs> first class all the way and so we um and so we have different things that that person can choose from mm-hmm. 
that will be able to um, to fit their particular situation. And so I'm going to offer you classes. I'm going to offer you support group. I'm going to offer you one-on-one um, counseling. I'm going to offer you therapeutic services. I'm going to offer you information mm-hmm. about um, rehabilitative services. I'm going to offer you information because we have community partners who run Celebrate Recovery. And here's the thing I love about Celebrate Recovery. Um, it's about hurts, habits, and hangups. And who what one of us do not have hurts, habits, and hangups? It's not mm-hmm. all about your substance use. And I'm going to understand that you're not getting high or using alcohol just because you like it. Mm-hmm. Because there's something behind that driving that behavior. Mm-hmm. And so I'm gonna, I want to address all of those things. I love this um, one speaker. Her name is Tonier Kane Muldrow. Yes, she's my favorite. Yes. And um, and one thing she said in her recovery is she was like, all of you, all of you judges and lawyers and probation officers and counselors, you all threw a lot of good things at me. She said, but none of it was able to get in there and take root and grow because I had so much junk inside of me. So we had to clear out all that junk. Mm-hmm. And able to get the good stuff in me so it could grow, so it could flourish, and so I could be a better person, so I could get rid. So that's what we want to do. We mm-hmm. want to help you um, unpack all of that stuff mm-hmm. that um, to get down to the root of the issue of what's hurting you so that you can become that whole person and, um, and have a life. Mm-hmm free of violence, free of addiction. And so, again, we're not the be-all to end-all to Mm -hmm. anyone's particular situation. Sure. But what we will do is listen, know that you you are the expert on your life, Mm -hmm. help you with choices that you didn't even know that you had, Mm -hmm. and put you in touch with resources. If we don't have that resource ourselves, we are going to go above and beyond to help you find the resources that you need in order to solve the issues that mm-hmm. are going on, or at least help you with the issues that are going on in your life. Mm-hmm. And that we're in it for the long haul, that mm-hmm. we that we know it's going to take time and a process, and we're here from beginning till when you don't need us anymore, you know? Because some people are like, oh, especially for therapy, because other providers when it's private insurance based or insurance based you only get so many sessions for each diagnosis and I what I always remind them is one we have the licensure ability to diagnose but we don't because we don't have a timetable to run after and so you need it for a few months now and you need it for a few months in a year from now or you need it for a year whatever we're here until your goals have been met mm-hmm. and if new goals come up then we're going to work on those new goals and if you need diff- if those services change over the years that's fabulous but that we're here for that long haul to unpack that current situation and help throughout the future. I was reminded in 10 years from now, as long as DASIS is still around and something new happened and you need us again, come on out. As long as we exist, you're welcome back. Now, Deb, you mentioned one of the marginalized communities, uh, the LGBTQ plus community. Mm -hmm. Um, And you mentioned that also that abuse isn't greater in a uh 
you know, non-white community. It mm -hmm. just, it, it's, it's across the board it happens. Mm -hmm. Is That's also the case then in mm -hmm. the um, sexual orientation then as well? Mm -hmm. It exactly. doesn't matter, right? It mm -hmm. does not matter. It does not matter the gender of your abuser, whether or not we're able to help you. Mm -hmm. When I see someone, and I hate um, the saying that I don't see color, but however I don't say but because that erases that. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> however when someone comes to us their gender identity their race their socioeconomic level their um, immigration status none of that comes into play mm -mm. as to how we're going or whether we're able to help you and so uh, there's a lot of shame and guilt that people put on people in same-sex relationship mm -hmm. or um, non-traditional relationships where they feel like they can't reach out for help mm -hmm. and so I'm telling you that we're here to help mm -hmm. we're here to help it doesn't matter to us it, it matters to us that you get the help that you need mm -hmm. I'm not going to dismiss the fact that you're in a relationship that's different from mine because that's a part of your story mm -hmm. and so I'm not going to say that doesn't matter it does matter mm -hmm. because it also affects the services mm -hmm. that you that you may need and it also affects the dynamics of your relationship and so yes that comes into play but does that mean that you're not um, able to find help no we're, that we we're empathize and understand that there's differences yeah. and we're here to help and because, your team is here to help exactly and because you're a voice that may not be heard i'm listening a little more intently mm -hmm. yeah yeah it doesn't change mm -hmm. your qualification for services but it does mm -hmm. change how we approach you because you're an individual and we treat right. each of our clients as individuals mm -hmm. and what we know is that different marginalized groups experience different domestic violence and sexual abuse because those relationships are different you mm -hmm. know and what we recognize in non-traditional relationships is oftentimes that perpetrator is using that relationship as abuse mm -hmm. you know well i'll out you is the most common thing that i've heard from survivors in that community mm -hmm. well they threatened to out me and my family doesn't know mm -hmm. and then that comes with all that shame and that guilt and that peace and i'm like i'm not going to tell anybody you know, I'm not even going to record it in my information if you don't want it recorded who your assailant was. I don't have to record that information. Yeah. Confidentiality, yeah. knowing that your secrets are safe. Yeah. And then there's there's help, there's hope. I like what you said, Debbie. You said, well, I, I hear you. We hear you. We mm -hmm. see you. We're here for you. Mm -hmm. we, we love you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, Absolutely. how often do they not hear that without strings? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? We just, we love you and we want to help you. Yeah. Yeah. Anything we didn't cover for these communities that they need to hear? When we talk, we talk about our individual agency, mm -hmm. um, Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services. I know, and I partner with agencies all across this state, and mm -hmm. there are agencies all across this country that does this same exact work mm -hmm. if you can't reach us if you reach us at our 800 number 800-828-2023 if you reach us at the, our agency 
and you're not in our service area, we will do our best to find you services in your area, mm-hmm. no matter where you're at. Now, outside the country, it gets a little sketchy <laughs> <laughs> because we don't always have that information. But, we'll but we will we will work hard and try. And call that national 800 number, mm-hmm. too, the hotline, and, and get that information. Reach out for help. There is help. Mm-hmm. There are um, thousands of us waiting for your call to be able to help you live a life free from harm Mm -hmm. thank you both for being a part of this today for bringing the the hope the healing the the information uh again dasismi.org for all your information or as debbie just said 800-828-2023 thanks for listening thanks for being here ladies thank you thank you for listening to I'm Not In an Abusive Relationship. If these stories resonate with you and you need help, please visit our website, dasasmi.org. That's dasasmi.org. Or call our hotline at 800-828-2023. We are here to walk alongside you. Now, if you know someone who might benefit from our show, please share it. Social media, email, simply telling someone about it, all help us spread the word help us to combat domestic and sexual violence. We also welcome financial and volunteer support. That information is on our website. Thank you to the staff, volunteers, and board of directors at Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services. This podcast is produced with the help of a committee of dedicated advocates. Thank you to WBET Radio in Sturgis, Michigan for the use of their studio. This has been a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence and a production of Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services of Michigan.